Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Church, um, it's been quite a week. There's been lots of difficult news that has transpired this week. Uh, Church, I was shocked when I heard of the passing and the news of Priscilla Matthew. Uh, I, I was shook to my core. Um, to hear about someone close to my age going through that situation. Uh, and I was also saddened to hear about Brother Shaji and uh, Brother Shabu, Shabu Ibn's father passing away this week. And Sister Sandama, Georgia's sister, younger sister in Kerala, passing away in India. That's a lot of death. That's a lot of heartache to face. And we are not machines. We are human beings, and we have to face these difficulties in our life. And last night, we heard tragically that Brother Ben Chrysostom passed away last night in Tulsa, Oklahoma, from COVID-19 complications. If you don't know who he is, uh, Josh Thomas, our Josh Thomas, is engaged uh, to marry his daughter, Candace. Can you imagine preparing for a, a wedding and your father passing away? I hold all these difficult matters together, and as a pastor, I have to address them. I have to talk about the heartache that each of us face in life. I'm still hurting from the passing of our brother Jason Verghese last week. I was texting his younger brother this week, Jibby, and I asked him, you know, how can I be praying for you? I love you, brother. And he was telling me his mom is in the hospital now, you know, suffering through swelling in her brain, and he's worried. He's worried about being alone, losing his father, losing his brother, and now his mom is in the hospital. It is in these times that we ask the Lord many questions. We have a sense of grief in our heart, like, God, are are you really there? Are you in control? Grief and depression, fatigue, and doubt settle upon us. In many ways, church, I want you to know this is the impact of when our world broke. God did not intend for our world to be this way. But when the impact of sin by Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it broke our world. And that's why disease and death and these things come upon us. And so as pastors, we want to provide a place for each of you to process this. And so tonight at 6 p.m. on Zoom, we've invited Sister Regina, Brother Samson, Dr. Rama, and the pastors. We'll be on Zoom together to process our questions, uh, the difficulties, the things that you may not want to talk about. We want to make a space for you. So tonight at 6 p.m., we ask that you join us, a time to think and, and pray together about the situations that we are in. And, and church, I know I talked about several situations, but each of you are carrying your own situation in your life. Maybe it's something that you haven't shared with anyone, but you carry your own heartache, and you carry that every, every week into church, and God wants 
to meet you in that heartache, in difficult times. And so, church, with that in mind, I'll be honest. When Pastor said he wanted to preach from the book of Joel, you know, and Pastor asked, did any of you read it? Many of you said no, because who wants to read that book? Prophet of Joel is a confusing book. If you read through most of Prophet Joel, it is not good news. It is very difficult news. And you wonder, why is such a book in the Bible with dark news? Actually, it's for times just like this. When we are going through difficulty, we need to see a prophet explaining the dark difficulty that we are going through. Joel, in this series of Joel, he's talking about the day of the Lord. And so I want you this morning to open up your Bible to Joel chapter 1. And I want you to believe that God is going to speak to us this morning from our difficult situations, in our dark situations, our desperate situations. God is going to speak to us this morning from the book of Joel. Joel is a difficult book to understand. So I'm going to tell you as a pastor, I find it a very difficult book to understand. So if you've been reading it and you don't know what it means, don't worry. We're in the same boat. Joel is a difficult book to understand because it is both poetry and prophecy. It is poetry and prophecy. I remember being a small child and learning poems when I was little. I remember I didn't know what they meant half the time. And there was always somebody smarter than me. You know, I remember the first time I heard Robert Frost, you know, two roads in a wood, diverge in a wood. And I took the one less traveled by, and it has made all the difference. My teacher asked me in ninth grade, what does this mean? And I said, this man is lost. And then she said, no, you don't get it. And this other girl said, it's about making choices, taking the tough choice in life. I was like, man, where are you seeing that? And slowly but surely, I began to see the depth inside poetry when you take time to study it. The other thing is, is this is prophecy. Prophecy is a difficult thing to understand. Some teachers will take prophecy too literally. Some teachers will take it too liberally. Either way, we're prone to misunderstand prophecy. The interesting thing about prophecy is it made sense, for this instance, for Joel. What he said made sense in Joel, in his time but will also make sense in the New Testament. So the first horizon is in Joel's time. And the second horizon will be at the day of Pentecost when Peter preaches it. It will make sense in that time. But it will also make sense in the future. When the day of the Lord happens and God comes again, it will be true again. Three different horizons, one prophetic word will be true over and over again. And the other powerful thing about prophecy is when you preach it, it becomes ram a word, and it becomes important for you right now in this season. So with that being said, I pray as we take the task of understanding, Joel, that the Lord will help us understand the depth of his word through poetry and the clarity of his word through prophecy. Amen. Church, would you open up your heart to listen to this check? I just want to read to you verse 5 through 15, Joel chapter 1. Verse 5 through 15, it says this. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, a mighty army without number. It has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. 
mourn. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the betrothed of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning. Those who minister before the Lord, the fields are ruined, the ground is dried up, the grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up, and the olive oil fails. Despair. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up, the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely, the people's joy is withered away. So, put on your sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come and spend the night here in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain offerings and the drink offerings are withheld from the house of God. Declare a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to come to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the, of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Church, in this text, Joel is painting a pretty dark picture. He's hoping that we will understand two things from this text. Number one, in verse 5 through 12, he's hoping that we understand our desperate situation. Do we understand our desperate situation? And then in verse 13 through 15, he explains our definite next step. Our definite next step. I pray that you'll open your heart today because the main idea today is this. Desperate times require total surrender. It is the only way. Desperate times in your life require your total surrender. It is the only way. Amen, church? We're ready to open up our hearts. I know we're facing difficult situations. I remember a story when I was a young child. I was in, I think, fourth grade. I got to go on a field trip. And there's a local place here that those of you who are in Mesquite, Texas, know of this place. It's called Celebration Station. I was a young kid. My parents let me go to Celebration Station with my school, and there's this thing called bumper boats. And it's these little boats that are on the water, and the, the water's about maybe four or five feet deep. I don't know how to swim. But, I mean, I was assured by the guy at Celebration Station that no problem. No one has ever fallen in in the history of Celebration Station. So I thought, that's good to know. I'm getting ready to get into the boat. My friends are all jumping in their boat. I move towards the boat. For some reason, that boat is moving away from me. I'm saying, okay, Lord, this is not how it worked for them. It's moving away. So then I decided to put my leg in another boat. And if you ever tried that before, those boats don't work together. One goes one way, the other goes the other way, and then I went another way. In a flash, I found myself inside the water, five feet under, being only four foot tall, fourth grader, I felt myself submerged in the water. I heard people yelling. And I don't know. I thought, well, this is it, huh? God, what a life. Only made it to the fourth grade. You know, I thought I had much more in life. You know, I was becoming very poetic under the water. And then I felt a hand come and grab me. And I didn't know who that was. So I fought the hand. I was fighting, fighting, kicking, fighting. This person was like, stop fighting. And I was like, get off me, get off me. I will not, I will not. 
And he said, just stop fighting. Let me help you. And I felt someone grab me and take me out. Church, in times of desperation, we often think we can get ourselves out. But the best way to get out is to surrender to someone stronger than you. If you fight the arm that is trying to get you out of your situation, you will go deeper and deeper and deeper. But God in this moment is calling us as a church to surrender to a strong arm, an arm stronger than us. Amen. Our desperate situation. Pastor did a great job unpacking several verses in chapter 1. So I'm going to skip those verses. I'm going to start in verse 5. Remember, this is poetry. So it's written in stanzas. Just like our Malayalam songs, it's written in stanzas, right? There's stanza one is verse five through seven. Each stanza starts with a verb. First, the verb is wake up in verse five through seven. The next stanza, verse eight through 10, that verb is mourn, wail, cry. The third stanza is 11 through 12. It starts with an interesting verb, despair. Wake up, mourn, despair is the song that Joel is trying to drive home. He is trying to explain how bad the situation has become in the land around them. The first call is to wake up. It's an interesting call. Wake up. But it is very accurate. Oftentimes, when we, even the people of God, are faced with difficulties in our life, whether it is private or personal, whether it is widespread and known, we tend to self-medicate. We drown our pain and our doubt and our confusion in other places other than God's presence. We go to social media. We go to food. We go to strong drink. We go to self-indulgences. We go to all kinds of sins and vices. We go into isolation. And we are lulled to sleep by the enemy. And there in your desperate situation, you fall asleep in your own sin and filth. I don't know if you've ever walked the city. My family and I just came back from New York City. We saw so many homeless people. The most desperate thing I see is when people have fallen asleep in their own misery. Fallen asleep in their own disgusting filth. And God says, wake up, look around. God is saying, look around to what is happening. In this stanza, the word my is used. My land, my vines, my fig tree. This is what God is saying. These are all my things. And all my things have been destroyed, been broken apart. This personal pronoun illustrates that darkness, evil, hurt, disease, all these things can happen to his own people. It's time to wake up, church. Sometimes we think all these bad things are in the world out there. No, church, in the world in here as well, we face these difficulties and we are falling asleep. Instead of being an alert and awake and do, during these tough times, we fall asleep during them. What is this called? It's called being desensitized. Some of you growing up in this country, you know what's happened on TV. There are certain things you could not do in TV when I was a little kid. When I was five or six years old, I mean, there are a lot of things you could not show on TV. But over time, that needle has moved. 
it has become more and more ugly, more and more filthy, more and more, more and more hard to watch. I'm always afraid. One time I picked a kid's show on Netflix to watch with Sophia and JT. And there, on that kid's show, rated for nine years old and younger, there was a scene that happened that shocked my children. I had to go on a long walk with my kids to explain to them what is happening to our society. We are falling asleep in our own filth. Desensitized. And I'm telling you, church people, including myself, are doing the same. The second call is, because we are falling asleep, you need to mourn. And this makes sense. Notice the kind of mourning. Look at this imagery. Joel is saying, mourn like a young, engaged woman that lost her husband. Can you imagine that tragedy? Some of us even remember stories in our community where a couple was supposed to be married and someone passed away. Can you access the depth of sorrow? That's how you're supposed to mourn. Not just crying for people to see. Not just simply crying at your beautiful song but crying that you have such a depth of sadness for the situation that we are in. That feeling is when you go to funerals. Many have happened here at Metro Church of loved ones passing, and you see the deep heartache in the family members. Our brokenness, that kind of sorrow we're supposed to have for the situations we are in. This also says, mourn like priests who have nothing to offer the Lord. Can you imagine priests go out to the field to get grain, and there's no grain? They go to the, the vineyard, there's no grapes to turn into wine. They go to the olive tree, there's no olives to turn into oil. They're coming to, to God's house, I have no grain, I have no wine, I have no oil, I have nothing. Mourn like a people who can't worship anymore. Have you ever had that kind of sorrow before in your life? You've gone through so much hurt that coming to church, you can't worship. You're so full of mourning in your life. Everything is lost. You hurt so much. Church, do you see how desperate things can get when we all decide that we can live life our own way? When we are disconnected from God, when we don't reach out to him when things go wrong, things are going to go wrong either way. But who will you reach out to when things go wrong? If you reach out to yourself, you will only find yourself going deeper and deeper into the hole. The third thing he says is to despair. Man, this is a tough word. If you look up what the word means in Hebrew, it means to be ashamed. If there's one thing I know about the Indian community, when I talk to my parents and my in-laws, the thing they hate the most is shame. You can do anything you want, just don't shame us. It's almost like it's okay to sin, just don't let anybody know. Because being guilty is fine, but being ashamed is worse. The Jewish people are the same. They're afraid of shame, just like us. But this text says, be full of shame. When I was a little kid, if I did anything wrong, it wasn't my dad doing this or this that scared me. It was when my mom said, shame, shame, shame. I was like, just beat me, you know? That wouldn't be much better than you saying shame. It's the worst. 
Even as a young kid, I didn't want shame in my life. He said, what do you do with the shame? Grieve. This word is howl. Make a loud sound. Grieve with a loud sound because of the world that we are in. Notice, ashamed of what? The farmer has gone to work, and it produced nothing. The vineyard dresser went to the vine. He worked so hard, and it produced nothing. We live in a world now where we have put all our faith in our work. But friends, at the end of the day, your work will produce nothing. Some of us, when I ask, what's your name? Who are you? The first thing you tell me is what you do. Oh, I, I'm a nurse. Oh, I'm a lawyer. I am this. I am that. I am what I do. But God is saying, you can work all day long in this sinful world that we are in, and it will produce nothing without him. Church, all of our work, all of our blood, sweat, and tears will produce absolutely nothing unless we are connected to God. This is our state, church. I'm sorry that I've taken us here. I'm a very optimistic person. That's why I never preach Joel. So blame pastor. <laughs> but this is the situation we are in. We have become a desensitized, sleeping kind of people. We have become a mourning people. I know they say to have a shout of joy, but you have come with mourning in your heart. I know it says work, work, work while there. You still have time. Fill your bank account. But God is saying work and work and work, and it will still be nothing. The last thing is this. He makes a summary statement. After the three stanzas, Joel says, the joy of mankind has shriveled and died. The joy of mankind has shriveled and died. You see, church, we are asleep, and his figs, his vines, his land is being stripped and taken. What does that mean? We're asleep while our churches are falling apart. We are mourning with no grain, no wine, no oil. Our worship is falling apart. We are ashamed. We're working so hard, double duty, triple duty. But even our work is falling apart. No more joy. Shriveled up and died. If you look all around society, church, it's true for not just the church. It's true everywhere. Pick your favorite athlete. In the last two years, they have fallen. Pick your favorite movie star. They have fallen. Pick your favorite businessman. They have fallen. Pick your favorite pastor, and you have seen they have fallen. This is who we are when we drift away from God. This is what our society becomes. Joel is saying, this is who we are when we are away from God. Joel is basically saying this. Life without God is no life at all. Church, are we willing to look at our desperate situation, look at the world around us, look at our own heart, and see that life without God is no life at all? So the second thing is this, in verse 13 through 20. In the midst of all this doom and gloom, does Joel help us in any way? Is he going to get us out of this mess? 
If you're going to say all this, Joel, can you help us get out? Actually, no. There's not really any much more good news after this. Maybe over the next few weeks we'll have some better news, but in chapter 1, not too much more good news. He says you have to feel this desperation. It says, it says here in verse 13, the first direct step, Joel looks at the spiritual leaders of the community and he tells them, it is time for you, spiritual leaders, to get yourself ready for repentance. Get yourself, gird yourself, put on, get prepared to repent. I remember when I read this, I stepped back with holy fear. Because this is not talking about you all. It's talking about the pastors and spiritual leaders of this church. Joel says, don't get mad at society first. Look at the leaders first. Have they prepared themselves? Prepare ourselves for fasting and prayer, for repentance. Joel is saying, you should repent like your life depended on it. So tell your leaders to get ready. Man, I started trembling when I heard this. Our direct next step back to God is to come and repent. What are the leaders supposed to do? It's just to consecrate a fast. That means that we need to get to a place that our physical nourishment, our physical well-being comes after our relationship with God. We should care so much more about loving God than feeding ourselves. Consecrate a fast. The leaders should call us together to fast. It's just to call a sacred assembly. That means that we all need to come together and repent together before God for the situation that we are in. It's not just about you and my individual sin. It is about our corporate sin before God. We all need to come and say, God, we repent together. Call a sacred assembly. Call the leaders, summon the elders. That means those of you who have walked before us, those of you who know the history, those of you who know that's what has happened. God is calling you to come first in humility and show us, teach us younger people how to wail before God and ask him to come back. It says, come to the house of the Lord. It means to leave your comforts, leave your nice settings, leave the comfort of your home and come together to the house of God and wail and repent together. When was the last time you cried with other people before God? Do you remember those days? When I was a little kid in the early 80s, I guess because my parents were alone with not very many people in this country. I felt like they were crying a lot. Their prayers were crying. Their singing was crying. I remember even the uncle that would play the side drum. He would play so hard his watch would come off and, and his eyes were full of tears. I think they had an idea of what it meant to surrender. Now we are so fancy, and I like it. I like the fancy stuff, but, but can we do it with tears? Can we do it coming back to God? Can we say, God, even if my body's still not healed yet, I surrender to you. This people, they're living in an agricultural epidemic. Everything is diseased and dying. 
They are living in a financial crisis. They are living in political unrest. There are several countries ready to invade them. They are in a spiritual desert. But Joel still tells them, even in this epidemic, you need to come fast, cry, mourn before God. So church, I say with boldness to you that I wasn't this kind of person. I wasn't this kind of person. But when Pastor left for India a couple weeks ago, I felt a pressure from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, I need for you to start coming to church and praying. And I don't do that. I pray in my home. I have a nice study to pray in. Air-conditioned, beautiful, beautiful pictures and books to read. God said, get out of your house and come to the church and pray. So I started driving here. On a random Tuesday, Wednesday during the week, I was driving here at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm coming down 35. I'm about to exit Valwood. All of a sudden, this weight came upon me. I started crying in the car. I said, God, what's happening? I started crying as I exited. I cried all the way into this church right here at the altar. And for several weeks, I just came here and I cried before God. I thought I would be strategic, have something special to pray. But God, all he asked me to do was cry. I walked around these seats. I touched these chairs. And I prayed every chair that I touched. If there was a family that was desperate, that God would meet their need. And I was crying and wailing for you. I don't even know your, all your issues. But God was putting that weight on me. That together we would weep and cry before God. And find our way out of this mess together. Are we ready to stop playing games? Are we ready to stop saying Metro is such a great church? It's true. But we still have our brokenness to deal with. We still have our issues to deal with. Our own sin, our own idolatry, our own relationship confusion and strife, our own guilty pleasures, our, our faith in money, all those things. God wants us to just say, can we stop trying to get our own self out and surrender to a hand stronger than ours. Are we ready to come back? I'll end with this, church, and we'll worship. I don't know if you've ever been to an ocean when the tide is out. When the tide is all the way out, you can see things in the beach that you couldn't see before because the tide was out. Everything is dry. Things look like they need water. The tide is out. But here's the faithfulness of God. Every time the tide goes out and everything looks dry and desperate, the faithfulness of God is the tide always comes back. When we are walking right now in a society where there is no tide, we need the water of God and we're all dry. In the distance in the ocean, churning, getting ready, filled with power and potential in the horizon. We don't see it yet. Churning in the background is a wave that is coming that is going to refresh me and you, you and your family and our society. Every time the tide goes out, our God is faithful to bring the tide 
back in. Now, will you come with me to the ocean shore and cry to God, bring the tide back in. Save our generations. Save us, God. Bring the tide back in. Is that you? Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you stand to your feet right now as we get ready to worship? Would you open up your heart and say, Jesus, bring the tide back in, God. We surrender to you, God. Every dried up place, God. Every hurting place, God. Every place of confusion. Every place of doubt. Every place of hurting, God. We ask for your tide to come in. Refresh us, oh God. We mourn before you. We wail before you, God, to bring us to revival again. We repent, God. I repent, God. I repent on all of our behalf. I also repent, God. Bring us back to you. We surrender to you. Church, the only way out when we are desperate is total surrender. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.